Welcome to the Crazy Dre Podcast Show, ladies and gentlemen. This is your main man of the hour, a.k.a. Crazy Crockett, a.k.a. Andre. Andre's Podcast, where you can find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And um, today, I want to discuss about a word named depression. And what depression is. And I think I've always avoided that that question or that statement about myself. Uh, let's start from the beginning. I was I was adopted at five years old. I was in an orphanage, and the orphanage I had the nuns and other people taking care of me, and I really didn't really have no self-existence of knowing who I was and who I am and or anything like that. I didn't really realize that I was born with a disability, a mental uh, disability, and a physical disability. So I have a form of a learning disability that some things are, comes very difficult for me to learn. Uh, my cognitive thinking may struggle struggle at some point uh i have little use of my left side i look like i have some form of cerebral palsy so when i was born something happened between childbirth and some people think that it may have happened after childbirth of malnutrition and and something but in most cases i probably had something happen to me as a um, losing oxygen during childbirth. And that in itself significantly slowed down my development as a human being. And so when I came to America, when I was adopted, my parents raised me like any other child. You know, I had to learn how to Put my shirt on and and put my pants on and everything was going grand. Everything was going great. And remind you, I was like five years old. So as soon as I come to America, I go to a public school. And it's a better public school in a private uh, community, a Christian-based community. And I am... Um, Throwing to the wolves. So I know a little English. I got a tan. I got my long, brown, wavy hair. So I don't look like anyone else in the classroom. And here I am with a messed up left side. And I look like I'm wobbling back and forth. And that instance of knowing that I was different never came across me where I came from in the orphanage. Because in the orphanage, I was a mute. I didn't speak much. I didn't say nothing to anybody. I kept to myself. No one ever actually spoke to me in five or six different sentences at a time. It was, it was more like, do you want this? Do you want that? Stop crying. Whatever you tell a an infant. So as I'm here in America, 
I'm at a five-year-old level, but a brain at about two and a half years old. And I get picked on, and I get picked on, and 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 I want to be one, and I want to be one of the guys. But I'm always mocked. I'm mocked because I stuttered. I'm mocked because because the way I look. I'm mocked because my left hand's all scrumbled up. Um, it's a. It's always this constant wanting to be approved by people or by people my age at the time. And I remember going home, growing up, and I would go to my bedroom and put my headphones on and listen to music and kind of like daydream. And I would daydream away about having a left hand and having a having an ability to do things that other kids could do. Uh, I was always a, like sports, so I always wanted to play sports with the kids. Never really able to do it to the best of my ability. And so when I would escape in my room, listen to music of Guns N' Roses or Michael Jackson or Elvis Presley or any of those guys or any artist of that was on the radio that was popular back in the 80s. And my parents always thought that it was because my personality, that I was really quiet, kept to myself, and so on and so forth. And the honest truth is because I didn't have friends. No one wanted to be my friend. If I was going to be friends with somebody, it was going to be with the other kids who were disabled. And the other kids who were disabled didn't go nowhere. <coughs> so my development as a person halted. It stopped. And I want people to listen to this. I want parents with disability kids understand that when you bring kids to the world for the name of Jesus Christ or your God or your prophet, you're not really doing it for Jesus Christ. You're doing it for yourself. It makes you feel good like you're bringing something to the world and you're going to try to make it a better place. But in reality, the person who is born with a disability, and depending on how significantly bad it is, it might be a living nightmare. And I can tell you this, that as I was growing up, I realized that, that even the, the girls that I would be attracted to, they want nothing to do with me. They looked at me, they thought I was cute, adorable, they thought I was funny. I would flirt with different girls in classrooms. I would be told by the, pre, by the teacher to stop talking during class. During class, and you know what? It, was, it, was, it is what it was. But I was an embarrassment to them. I was an embarrassment to people that, that told me, that girl doesn't like me. She only feels sorry for me. It really happened. It happened in eighth grade at the eighth grade dance. And a girl by the name of Sue, can't say her last name, she, she put it out there as a, as a thing to do for the eighth graders or sixth graders. Forget what grade I was. So 
I wanted to dance with the hottest girl or the cutest girl in sixth grade or eighth grade. And I asked her to, to, to dance, and she did. And, man, it made my day. It really made my day. But I knew that I would never talk to that girl ever again outside that dance floor, nor did I ever actually talk to her before or after. But there's a subconscious set stone of who we are and who we have to be and our place in our life. So the jocks are the jocks, the athletes are who they are, the, the, the stoners are the stoners, the, the geeks are geeks. But as people grow up, they grow into themselves. So when the nerds become science, scientists or computer guys or doctors, they grow out of that really weird nerdy personality and they developed as a, a normal human being. Jocks from high school, they lose their athleticism. They lose their ability to play sports. Most of them don't even go to college to play sports. But they have other qualities of their personalities that fit for management, positions, leadership skills. And then they progress in having a relationship with their significant other or their girlfriend or their wives and then developed as human beings. Stoners, they grow out of it as well. They use less drugs or use less weed or drink less or maybe they drink as much or more. But they too have a group of women or girls that they uh, are connected with and that they achieve their the goals of having a family or having kids or just simply having a relationship with a girl. And then there's people like me, men who are disabled. And most people who are disabled are not, not great achievers of anything. They slowly progressively decline they're never really socially accepted they're never really uh there to they never develop as a full human being so what happens with people like me who are a social person but i can only take myself to certain parts of education and other parts of of development that as a human being I didn't fully develop as a grown man. So even in my twenties and thirties I looked like a teenager, I looked like a a underweight person that was not being fed correctly and and the social skills kind of vapor away so when i mean vapor away i mean like you don't get that chance to be interacting with the opposite sex as if you were going to college or 
or graduating from college or your professional career, uh, you don't, you just don't get invited to social events. You're kind of being placed in a, in a corner of society that doesn't matter. People care about you, but you really don't matter. So you can have friends on Facebook, you have friends from high school and maybe some college friends, and they may keep in touch with you by Facebooking or or going out every once in a while, but what happens with men like me that is that our our basis of interaction with women completely declined after our 12-year educational school system from kindergarten to 12th grade. And, and regardless, if you know a girl likes you, you know that she's not going to date you nor she's not really going to go out of her way to interact with you because it's based on embarrassment. Her goal is to fit in with everyone else in her circle. And her friends and family encourage her to pursue those goals. And if you are in that way, you can be pushed to the side and and be told that she can do better than you. And it's something that's very, very depressing to know that that can actually happen. So as I'm going to high school, as I'm graduating, I know that I need some form of education to make me more qualified. Everyone pushed me away from college. I went to work for a place called Valley State of Linen. And they thought that I would be happy there for the rest of my life. And when I mean they, my parents and other educational bullshitters of higher psychology, key psychological philosophers, people that think they know what they're talking about. People with a master's degrees. So here I am at Valley St. Lennon. And I am pulling linen out of, out of, the, out of the, the linen sheet basket. And I have to divide them in, in sizes, small, medium, large. And this linen place is based on rentals for hospitals and, and hotels and motels and apartments and whatever you can name it, and restaurants. So I quit that job. I go to MC Sports. And I'm selling stuff, and I'm working in an environment that I like. And I'm hanging out with the guys from the hood because that's where I've met my friends from Valley St. Linen. So Valley St. Linen, without Valley St. Linen in the hood of Grand Rapids, I met my buddies Val and Q Diddy and Jimmy and, and other people. And I go out every weekend with them and, we get drunk and we go out and Val's a ladies' man and he's dancing and all that. 
And here I want deep down inside I want to dance with all these girls too. But I know for a while that if I if I go up to a girl I want to dance with her, she'll go shut me away. And this happens over and over and over again. And then I start becoming resentful. Then I start being a dickhead. And then I start to get angry and frustrated with women. And, and I'm trying to make sure that my friends don't ever settle down with their girlfriends that turn into their wives. I'd rather have my friends have a bunch of hookups and go out every weekend and party and get drunk and drinking and all that. So I'm starting to be in jerks to their girlfriends. And I'm really good at it. And then my friends figure this out. And then one day, I don't have friends. So I'm by myself. But this whole build-up thing is based on the fact that people like me are not accepted. People like me, unless we're a funny comedian guy with cerebral palsy, I think his name is Joe Blue or, or Bob Blue or whatever his comedic name is. And he makes fun of himself as a cerebral palsy person. And I think he's funny at times. And, and I make fun of myself. And I talk. And I make fun of my friends who are not my friends. And they know I'm just joking. But in reality, I'm just hiding my sadness. And it's really sadness because... I came down with COVID second time recently and I realized that if I was married or had a wife or had a girlfriend, she would take care of me. She would ask me, what, a, what can I get you? She would have told me, I'm going to the store and pick up medication for you. I'm going to pick up to the store and pick up a chicken in a soup. But I I had to do all that. I had to do all that. But this is a thing that's occurring for the rest of my life. Because I don't make enough money to support a spouse. Or let's say I meet a girl with a kid and she says, well, since you know, you just don't make enough for both of us and I'm not going to work extra hours for both of us because you're not making enough. And really, that's what it boils down to in some cases. That women are looking for men who are, have some form of education or income that is significantly more or better than theirs. Now, it's been said that women are not doing that, but subconsciously, I think I can make the argument and say that's a lie. Most women want a man who is there who's able to make some form of financial gain to support their family in case one of them or both of them gets sick. It, it might very much happen. But this 
money, sometimes money is not the real problem. It's my physical appearance. And people tell me you can get over it. It's not a big deal. Most girls don't care, but they do care. Because if they didn't care, you would see a lot more men with a disability with women who, they, who love them. But women can love you, but never want to be with you. Women can love you, but be ashamed to be with you. Women can love you and lie about it and never spend a minute or a second of their free time with you. So I want to tell people this. I want to tell people this. So when my friends had dates and they had girlfriends or their wives, and they're going and they were doing their thing. I didn't want to be the third wheel. A lot of times they would invite me as a third wheel because it felt bad. They really did feel bad. And and when they did go on dates, you, you know what I went? I didn't go to bars by myself because I didn't know how to interact with women, and I'm by myself. Like, people, men by themselves sometimes and they make eye contact with women at the bar with their friends can be kind of weird and creepy because we don't have wind men, wind guys. So, so it helps when you have a wind guy with you to go to the bar to pick up a girl to get her number because she sees you with her with your friends and you see her with her friends. So the interaction works better. So I, I didn't go to the bars by myself when I was younger. And most recently, for the last 10 years, I have. But in the last two weeks, I haven't had any lick of alcohol in my system. So I'm, I'm going to go see how long this goes without me drinking alcohol. So I'm going to go to restaurants and eat, but not drink. That's the goal. But let's go back to where my friends were going on dates. You know where I went? I went to strip joints. I went to two places. I went to Sensations off East Belt Line, right off 28th Street in Kentwood. And then I went to Parkway. No, no, I didn't go to Parkway Tropics. I went to the Red Barn. So the Red Barn has got completely nude girls. And there's no alcohol. And you go there and you buy lap dances. And if you're, if you're good at what you do at talking and if you're good at dishing out some form of money, you're going to get a, a happy ending. Let's call it that way. But I, I went to Sensations because that's where I went first. And the reason why I went to Sensations is because I had nobody to go with me anywhere to the bar or a restaurant to eat. So where do I go? I go to a strip joint. Topless strip joint. You can have alcohol. You can buy a lap dance. You can do whatever. 
So this girl named Victoria, for some reason I fell in love with her. And I think it's because she treated me more like a human being as a man more than any girl that I have ever talked to at any bar or any private school that I've gone to in my past. And we would make an appointment where I would show up either on a Thursday or Friday or one day of the, of the weekend. I saved up 30 bucks, five bucks to get in, two bucks for Millilite, and then I had the rest of the money to spend on her. True story. And people would always laugh at me. My friends would make kind of fun of me, like, why would you go to a strip joint and you can't touch the product, right? But my friends didn't realize that, or they should have realized that most girls wouldn't even let me within three feet of them at any bar. And I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. So I think I said this before. I went to some, me, my buddies, Val and Jimmy, and at this point, it was Antoine. We go to this place called the Tap Room. And it's where the B-Dubs restaurant is on Ionia now. So we go there. And so for some reason, I have the confidence in the world. And I start talking to this girl. And her friend is a lesbian. She looks like a lesbian. Can't tell you if she was or not. I started talking to the long brunette girl, the pretty one. And she's digging me, and I'm talking back and forth. And her friend gets real mad. And she tells my friends that I am interfering with them. I am being disrespectful. I am being annoying. And so on and so forth. My friends say, She's not saying nothing, and why do you care? And it's true. So, because I have a problem pronouncing drinks, mixed drinks, I couldn't give the girl a drink. That's how development, some form of development disability I have. I know how to say beer, alcohol, certain shots, and certain stuff. Correct? But I blew my shot. And, and it was it's really awkward. And it made me realize that that girl gave me a sense of hope. But you know the sad thing about that is, folks, I still went to sensations. Because I knew that the girls couldn't really say no. They could say no. I mean, a lap dance is a lap dance. A dollar is a dollar. And what it is, and you start talking to them. And then you realize that they're human beings too. They're not just objects. Or they're not just what you call a sex toy. But of all the places that I went, 
to get some action was a strip joint. And I remember I used to buy different girls. I, I used to give girls. The girls would come by at MC Sports, where I used to work, no longer exist. And I would, they would point out something to buy, and I would get, I would get 25% off. So when I buy it, I bring that clothing to Sensations, give it to the bouncer for a certain girl that I bought it for, then I would get some action out of it. And think about that, folks. Think about that. We basically, either I basically bought a prostitute, but I didn't buy her, I didn't give her cash. I gave her clothing. Or you could see it as I took her on a date, but no food, but I just took her shopping. Okay? And... And a lot of times, people really don't, people really don't get that, how, how pathetic that is. So what I say to people, it's really depressing to be crippled and disabled. I really mean it. Because you really cannot, you cannot really develop as a full, healthy human being. You can't really get your goals of getting married and having kids, and you can't really work on your 401k because you don't make enough money to put money away. You're always working paycheck to paycheck, and, and you're kind of always, always are struggling. So I'm going to leave this at this, folks. If you know someone who's disabled, well, I'm going to say this to women. If you know someone who's disabled, and you know he likes you, and you kind of like him, give the guy a chance. Life is way too short to be alone. And that's something I have to realize that it really is true. Life is really short. It's very long, but it's very short. You know, I guess I'm going to interact a little bit about where I got this from and I, because of COVID. So if you want to listen to more, a part two of this depression, you can find me on Spotify at Crazy Dre Podcast Show. And you can find me on Apple Podcast. All right, folks. Peace, love.